Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. I hope you'll check those books out at DorendaWilson.com. You can also find them on Amazon, and you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I mentioned. I also want to let you know that you can now receive a free digital download of my devotional, Encouraging a Homeschool Heart, by subscribing to my monthly newsletter. I'll include a link in the show notes to make it easy for you to do that. Also, I'm speaking in six more places in 2023. I would love to meet you in person, so I'll leave a link in the show notes and you can see if if I'm going to be anywhere close to where you are. And, you know, you've heard me talk about CTC Math for some time, but I'm wondering if you've tried it out yet. CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your kids' attention. Start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That is ctcmath.com. Well, I'm excited about today's episode because in the last episode, um, we were talking about just the cultural pressure that we're starting to feel and just the changes that we've seen in the culture and in Christianity. Um, It was a really great uh, episode with Natasha Crane. And, you know, as we're processing these things, um, I know as moms, we're also concerned about how we're going to teach our kids biblical truth. Like we want to do it, but we're still kind of processing some of these things ourselves. So it's kind of can be a little bit confusing as to where to start um, with our kids. So today, Natasha Crane is back with us again to explain what apologetics is, why it matters so much for parents today, when to start and how to incorporate it into daily life. And she's even going to share some examples with us. If you missed the last episode, um, I'll tell you a little bit about Natasha. She is a speaker, author, blogger, and podcaster whose passion is to help Christians think more clearly about holding to a biblical worldview in the midst of an increasingly challenging secular culture. A marketing executive and adjunct marketing professor, before she transitioned to the full-time ministry of writing and speaking, Natasha holds an MBA in marketing and statistics from UCLA. She's a numbers person, Um, a BA in economics from USC, and a certificate in Christian apologetics from Biola University. She and her husband have been married for 22 years. They have three kids, a son and a daughter who are 13. They're twins and a daughter who is 11. They homeschool and live in Southern California. Natasha, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited today because it's almost like a little extension of our last conversation. Um, it was it was great to just be talking about just some of the things that are just, you know, going on around us in the culture and even within the church and sort of orienting ourselves. It's kind of what we did in the last episode, sort of oriented ourselves. And then, of course, the next question is always, how do we orient our kids? And so I'm excited for you to talk about and explain uh, a little more of what that looks like. You know, we've heard the term apologetics. Um, Some know what that means. Some do not. So could we just start there with a basic explanation of what is apologetics? 
Yeah, so apologetics is how you make a case for and defend the truth of Christianity. So 1 Peter 3.15 is often kind of the the life verse of people who are uh, in apologetics because it tells us that we should be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Always do so, of course, with gentleness and respect. So sometimes people have an idea in their minds of apologetics as it's arguing and formal debates and things like that. Mm -hmm. Certainly a formal debate could be involved in apologetics, but for the everyday person, person in their own lives, apologetics, number one, will give you a conviction, a deeper conviction of your faith because it will show you all the evidence that you can look to for it being true, especially needed oftentimes during some difficult times in our lives when maybe we feel further away from the God. And number two, apologetics can help you share your faith with others. So it's both for you and for other people. So sometimes when people say, oh, I don't, I don't need all that apologetic stuff. Well, that may or may not be be the case at any given time. But as you're equipping your kids for a really tough secular culture, which is what we were discussing before, like you said, uh, when you're preparing for them, them for that, they need to understand why there's good reason to believe that Christianity is true because it's getting harder and harder in this culture for uh, for Christians to stand firm in their faith. When people become hostile to you, you're just going to walk away unless you're very convicted of the truth of what you believe. And then you'll be willing to stand up and be that salt and light that we're called to. So apologetics is just making a case for and defending the truth of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And you touched on this a little bit, um, why it matters so much for parents today. Could you expound on that a bit? Yeah. So aside from it being an obviously tough culture, there there are things that we can do that will help our kids navigate that terrain. So I always compare it to like a mountain, for example. If you're going to climb Mount Everest, you're not going to just say, you know, hmm, I think that I'm going to need some arm strength for this. So I'm going to go get a couple of two pound weights and I'm going to lift that a few times. And I know I'm going to need to kind of work out my legs. Mountain climbing sounds hard. So I'll do some squats before I go to Mount Everest. And, you know, I need some mental strength. So maybe I'll do some meditation or something. If you started thinking in those ways and and you're telling a friend, this is what you were doing to prepare for Mount Everest, they would think you're crazy, right? They would say, you're going to die on the mountain because you have to do some really specific things to prepare for that kind of landscape. That's a tough mountain out there. And if you're not matching your training to what's required on the mountain, you're going to be in a bad spot. You're going to be in a dangerous spot. And so in the same way, a lot of times today, parents are just kind of winging it or kind of saying, you know, well, I'm just going to do my quote unquote, best, whatever that might mean to any given person. We end up sending our kids off to a Mount Everest of faith challenges with just some jumping jacks of maybe a few devotionals and prayer and going to church in a lot of cases. And those things are very important. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot more that our kids need very specifically today to understand the kinds of challenges that they'll encounter. And so just to elaborate on that definition a little bit, I I like to say that there are basically four different content areas that apologetics should encompass as we're considering how to raise our kids and prepare them for that mountain. The first thing is what the Bible teaches. So you can't defend what you don't fully understand. We Mm -hmm. can't just jump to the defending part because a lot of kids today don't really fully understand 
their faith. They might know the basic stories that they hear in church, the accounts of Noah and the ark and Joseph and his multicolored coat and Daniel and the lions. And they hear all these accounts, but a lot of kids don't have a really firm grasp of the overarching story, the overarching narrative of scripture as God's salvation history. And so it's important that kids have a much deeper understanding of what the Bible teaches than what maybe we assume sometimes. Mm -hmm. The second thing is why believe it? So what the Bible teaches is just saying, hey, we need to give our kids an accurate and a deep understanding of their faith. But that doesn't tell you it's necessarily true. So that second step is basically the how to make a case for part of the definition. It's can you give evidence for the truth of Christianity, proactive evidence. The third thing is understanding what other people believe. So if we're going out into this kind of hostile mountain around us, we really need to understand, well, what is it that's going on out there? And I would refer everyone who's who's listening to this to make sure they listen to the last episode that we did because I talked a lot about what that looks like today, what that mountain is like, and, and what kids really need to know about what people believe out there. When they understand what other people believe, then they're going to be in a better place to more clearly differentiate between their worldview based on what the Bible teaches and what everyone else believes. And then that brings us to the final point, which is how do you answer challenges? And honestly, if anyone's heard of apologetics, this is probably the one thing they know about it. They think of it as, oh, it's defending the faith, right? It's answering challenges. But you can't answer challenges well unless you have those other pieces of the puzzle in order, the Mm -hmm. what the Bible teaches, the why I believe it, and what others believe. Once you have those in order, then you're in a much better place to actually do the defending of the faith. Mm -hmm. When you understand what other people believe, for example, you'll start to know that certain challenges come in groups from different worldviews. So if you're talking with a more and there are going to be certain challenges that they will pose to you that are related to their worldview. If you're speaking with an atheist, there are going to be certain challenges that you tend to hear from atheists based on their naturalistic worldview. So understanding what other people believe prepares you to be able to answer those challenges. So that's those are really the four points, what the Bible teaches, why I believe it, what others believe, and how to answer challenges. So the two books, well, you actually have three books. You have uh, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus, Talking With Your Kids About God, and the other one is Keeping Your Kids On God's Side. Is that is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And are these four things kind of what you're communicating to parents, kind of sort of giving them instructions and how to walk that out? Yeah, so they're not structured around those four points. Mm-hmm. Those four points kind of came along after I, I wrote the book. So they're not fra- in that same framework, but Keeping Your Kids on God's Side was my first book. And it's basically an apologetics 101 for Christian parents. And so it covers a, a little bit of everything in terms of apologetics related to the Bible, uh, related to the evidence for God, related to Jesus and the resurrection, related to science. And so you get kind of an overview of all of those things. So throughout those, you'll get bits and pieces of the why believe, why believe it rather mm-hmm. and the what others believe and answering challenges. So you'll see that woven throughout. And then talking with your kids about God is the next one. And that focuses on the God level questions, the evidence for God's existence and the science and God questions and the nature of God. And then finally, talking with your kids about Jesus goes in depth on all the questions related to Jesus, the divinity of Jesus. How do we know Jesus was God? What is the historical evidence for the resurrection? Um, what did Jesus teach? And so it really covers all all those things. It's just not laid out in that framework. But across all three books, there are a hundred different conversations that are covered. 
Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And what age group do you think each of these books would be appropriate for? So the books are all written specifically to equip the parents. They're not written directly to kids. And okay. so if you are equipped as the parent, the idea is that you can then tailor the uh, the understanding and the teaching to your kids, regardless of the age. The second two books, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus and Talking With Your Kids About God, those books actually have a conversation guide after every single chapter. Okay. And it starts from a very easy question, and then they get progressively more challenging. So if you had a young child who maybe is even five or six years old, you could use the very first question just to kind of get them thinking about it. And then it's something you revisit over time. It's something that you come back to. And then another time, maybe the next year when they're a little bit older, then you come back to the same topic and you can add more. So these are meant to be long-term resources for parents mm-hmm. that you can you can use and tailor as your kids grow. Right. And I always say, you know, when it comes to things like this, it's like you have to have many, many conversations with your kids because we all know kids can only take in so much. I mean, we all can only take in so much. And so I love this idea that you can revisit this over and over and over again. And there's some guidance as to how to how to talk that out. Um, And I'm going to have you give examples in just a minute. But let's let's go back to the question of when parents should start. You know, I'm thinking about the parent out there who's listening going, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed already. I have no idea how to do this. One encouragement that I want to give to you is just to be willing to learn alongside your kids. Like you don't have to be the master at this in order to start teaching it to your kids. Because we all know if if you're anything like me, then it'll never happen. So this idea that we have to, you know, have a full grip on all of this in order to be able to even start teaching our kids is just a lie. So we're going to throw that off to the side. And I think go in with a humble attitude and just being willing to learn with our kids along the way. And um, would you agree with that, Natasha? Absolutely. I would agree yeah. with that. You know, I think that it is a very strong temptation, what you're saying for parents when they hear this kind of thing to say, okay, I've got to do this. And now I'm going to read these 28 books before I talk right. to my kids. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's tempting, right? Because we feel like this is out of our comfort zone and we, you know, we, we don't, we don't want to be taken aback by some kind of question along the way that we're mm-hmm. like, oh, good question. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's okay. If your kids ask a question, say, I am so glad that you're asking these questions. That's a great question. And you know, I'm not even sure how to answer that, but let's figure out how to answer that together. That's mm-hmm. great practice for your kids mm-hmm. to see how would you go about looking to the Bible for an answer. So yes, absolutely. You do not have to know everything. And to the original question about, you know, how how old should kids be? I want to make sure parents understand, like, this is not, uh, you know, wait till they're 17 and then one night say, you know, we're going to have a conversation before you go off to college about this because we want to make sure you understand why there's good reason to believe Christianity is true. That's what we don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you've never done anything and your kid happens to be 17, please don't be discouraged by that right. comment. You know, it's <laughs> never too late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, start to have that conversation and just say, you know what, we haven't talked enough about this stuff and I want to make sure that we talk about it. Even if you have adult kids, you can talk about this. So mm-hmm. that's not to discourage people with older kids. But I want people to understand that it's not a one-time conversation and it is something that you can take bits and pieces of all these different topics and start when they're very little. I mean, there are certain things that kids can learn even when they're four or five years old. And and I can give some of those examples here in a little bit. But when you do that, what happens is instead of it becoming sort of this topic that gets tacked on top of their faith a few years down the road, it becomes part of the worldview shaping process. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. so important because what they learn is that this is not this whole thing about faith and God and believing in Jesus. This isn't just kind of our opinion about reality. It isn't just something that we're kind of taking a blind leap of faith about and other people believe other things. And that's equally true. And some of the ideas you see in culture, they see from the very beginning that this is a faith that is built on evidence. And we have been given much evidence by God that Christianity is true. So we don't have to take that blind leap. So when you're starting to teach your kids this from the very beginning, they see their whole faith process differently than if it just becomes a subject down the road. Mm -hmm. So it's a worldview shaping process rather than a cherry on top at the end. You can absolutely start as early as four or five years old. And we can talk about some of those examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually leads really well into the next question, how we incorporate apologetics into daily life. Yeah, so uh, so I remember I talked about in the introduction to talking to kids about God, how one day I was scrolling through Facebook and I came across this article and it said five things that tidy people don't do. I have a horrible time keeping my house clean. So I, I saw this article and I thought, oh boy, I've got to read this. And I, to my surprise, it actually had some really good advice, even though it was kind of clickbaity. Uh, and one of the main things it said is that tidy people don't act like a slob all day and then suddenly try to clean their house up in one fell swoop. Instead, t- tidy people develop these small habits where they're constantly in the state of what the article called low-grade tidying. Mm-hmm. And I loved that term. And I try to remember it because that is exactly how we can approach these things with our kids' faith and teaching apologetics and all the things we've been talking about. If you're in a mode of low-grade tidying where you're always looking for those opportunities in daily life and seeing how things tie into a conversation about God, then you're going to be tidying up their understanding of their faith over the long run rather than just trying to clean up in giant swoops at some uh, dedicated point. And so it makes it a lot less overwhelming when you start to do that. And really there are two kind of ways that I think people can think of this. Number one, you can look at it as an opportunity to take advantage of teachable moments. So when you see something comes up and that makes for a convenient hook to something that you can think about in apologetics, then you can have that conversation. But number two is to proactively set aside time for this. So if you're a homeschooler, this is actually a lot easier for you than for a lot of parents because Mm -hmm. you can build this into your school days, for example. Um, I call this BLAW in our homeschool. So B-L-A-W, Bible, Logic, Apologetics, and Worldview. And we focus on something different each of those days and tie those all together. But that's the proactive setting aside of time because not everything you need to teach your kids about apologetics is just going to have something conveniently arise at some point in your daily lives where you can hook onto it to teach them. So it's really those two things going together. It's looking for the teachable moments and then it's proactively setting aside time. Whether you're a homeschooler or not, even if you're not a homeschooler, you can set aside time in your schedule whenever that works for your family. Maybe you do once a week, you have an apologetics dinner where you're talking about a topic over dinner or it's something that you read together at night. Whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. it's proactive in right. both of those ways. Right, right. I love that. And and I think um, on the practical end of things, I just think about things like, oh, we get a flat tire. And, you know, we can talk about like, did this happen outside of God's control? No, it didn't. And so we can even show our kids like how our theology, right. like what it looks like in real life. 
you know, if we believe that God is sovereign over our days, he allowed this flat tire. We don't understand why, but we're we're going to move forward knowing that this is what he had for us and we're going to trust him. We're going to pray and ask him to give us, you know, the help we need or whatever. And and it's it's just a very different way to look at things rather than, you know, what we would all tend to do in our human nature, which is, oh man, I can't believe this happened, you know, blah, 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 blah. So even those very simple situations are a great place to do that. And there's, it's, and it's something that, you know, as adults, when we take pause to do that, um, it, it's growing us as well. And I, I think that, you know, as moms, I just, I always feel like motherhood and homeschooling and all of that was one of the most has been one of the most powerful ways that God has sanctified me, me because I've, it seems as though we are willing to have a lot of self-discipline for the sake of our children. (laughs) And so, you know, I would find myself saying, okay, what am I modeling to my kids right now in this situation? Am I modeling trust? Am I modeling, am I showing them that God is actually worth trusting even in these, this difficult situation, you know, um, everything from a flat tire to, you know, losing our first grandson, um, things like that, you know, that's all these multiple opportunities, um, to really model our faith, um, to our kids. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's, it's a great thing. It's, it's amazing how much they take in, um, especially in those particular situations, the ones that are especially hard. And so, um, yeah, it's just such a great motherhood and homeschooling and all that. It's just such a a great opportunity to to be able to do this. So I would love for you to share um, real quickly with us some examples um, from your books, because I think moms often are kind of like, well, how does this work? What's the format? How would I use this book? Well, there are a lot of ways that you can go about using the book. Like I said, two of the three books have a conversation guide. So if you're just going to sit down and have a conversation with your kid, it gives you the questions to ask after you've read the chapter. So you can facilitate it that way. I know that uh, some parents use it as a homeschool curriculum. In fact, someone recently told me that um, I think two of the three books, maybe all three, I'd have to look, are part of the Sunlight curriculum starting this year. Um, So that was really cool that they they added that. Um, And so that can be used as some kind of curriculum. You can read through it together with your child. Depends on, you know, are they independent readers and processors of that or do you want to lead them through it? So in terms of the actual execution of it, there are a lot of different ways that you can read the book. Even though it's written to the parent, I know that a lot of parents have their kids read it and then they they discuss. But just to give you some content examples, you know, speaking of young kids and well, what does that look like? How do you teach apologetics? Well, what, like I said earlier, one of the earliest things that a child can start to understand is that there is evidence for God's existence. And one of the most common questions that young kids ask about God is, well, how do I know he's there? Mm-hmm. It's it's a very common question that little kids ask. And a lot of times parents kind of go, um, well, we just know he's there. We feel that he's there. And as believers who have the Holy Spirit, yes, we can actually absolutely connect with God and we experience God. But when we're talking with our kids, we can't export that experience to them in order for them to understand it. So we need to be able to point to some objective evidence, the kind of evidence that everyone has equal access to. And so I can remember when my kids are very little, maybe they were four or five years old and I had this tomato plant and I I can't garden to save my life. Like everything just dies. Um, And I had this tomato plant and what happens every single time I have a tomato plant 
is it gets these hornworms. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you know what these yep. are. They're yep. vicious looking little things. They are. Um, but they actually leave this very predictable little pattern of the way that they eat in the leaves. And then you can see the little poops underneath the leaves. And so um, I remember one day going out there and I just found all kinds of evidence that this had happened, but I didn't see a hornworm. And so I brought my kids out to take a look at the plants and we looked at those and I and I showed them, you know, here's what's under the leaf. You can see these little black pebbles. Here is the kind of distinctive mark of where, it, um, you know, looked like a bite on the front. And I said, do you think, what do you think happened here? Do you think that this just happened by chance on all these different leaves that look like the same way in the same pattern? And they were like, no, but what caused it? And I said, well, you know, something caused it. And they were like, well, yeah, you know, you can tell. And so this led to this whole conversation about how even though you don't see this hornworm thing, we can still see what the hornworm has left behind. You can still see the patterns or the evidence, introduce that word evidence very young, Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. still see what the hornworm did and we know that the hornworm did it and it didn't just happen by chance. So that is that one little message and that one little teachable moment actually covers several topics. It tells your kids that we don't just have to guess that God is there. That was a whole conversation that we had, that he's given mm-hmm. us plenty of evidence. You can then point to verses in the Bible so you can show what God has actually said about that. It teaches them that there is evidence that they can investigate and that there are things in this natural world, not just this little tomato plant, but in all the world around us that we can look at, including the design in our body bodies, for example, and in DNA, as they get older, they can begin to to learn about that and to look at the things around us and to infer from that, is this by chance or is it better explained by a creator? Mm -hmm. And so all of those kinds of conversations can start very young and they just help your kid, again, to have this worldview shaping process of thinking about their faith in a robust way way knowing that there is evidence for it and it's not just blind faith. I remember also a day when, you know, I don't even know what exactly brought this to the forefront, but I told my daughter when she was maybe seven years old, I said, I don't want you to ever grow up and be a Christian just because I was. Mm-hmm. I never want you to grow up thinking that's why you're a Christian. I want you to be a Christian because you know that Christianity is true because that's the only reason to be a Christian. Don't right. do it because I'm a Christian. Don't be a Christian because you think that it will make your life better in some way, in some practical sense. Don't be mm-hmm. a Christian for any reason other than believing that it's true. I said, you're only seven years old, so you can't yet know all the evidence for the truth of Christianity. But my job as your mom is to teach you this over the next several years. And we're going to learn about it little bits at a time. And that conversation came at a point when my daughter was wondering, you know, how how do I know God is there? And kind of uh, feeling a bit shaky about that. But I think Mm -hmm. just knowing that, hey, I'm going to walk you through this and you don't have to just guess, you don't have to just feel it, that this is something that we're going to learn together was calming to her. And Mm -hmm. it shows your kids, hey, there's nothing to fear here. Truth has nothing to fear. Everything that we have in front of us is given to us by God and it's here for us to investigate. Mm, So those are just a couple of examples from when my kids were young. But as they get older, I'll just say one other little thing. Mm -hmm. As they get older, the most effective way that I have found to introduce various apologetics and worldview topics is finding articles or memes on social media, things that people post that are 
not biblical, uh, either intentionally or not. And I, so I follow a lot of pages on Facebook, for example, of atheists and progressive Christians and, and lots of different kinds of people, because as they post things against Christians or against Christianity, I save it, I print it, I take it to my kids, and it becomes part of a homeschool lesson where we say, okay, what's the worldview that underlies this? What is the claim that they're making here? Mm-hmm. What would the Bible say about this? What's consistent or inconsistent with this claim? So there are so many opportunities to do that. And it's it's especially powerful because it's kind of current events related. And so right. they're seeing firsthand, this isn't just, you know, from some book, here's a challenge somebody said once, this is stuff that's around them constantly. Right. And right. I have found that that is very powerful with older kids. Yeah, it is because what you're saying is, yes, this is here, but you can navigate this and and actually come to a solid answer um, in regards to what, what we're seeing and hearing, which makes them not afraid. And I think that's so huge, just feeling equipped, knowing that they're equipped, not being afraid to ask questions. Um, I think that's something I had a, had a mom write me, um, a while back and her daughter, I think she was around 19 was doubting the existence of God. And she, you know, the mom was, you know, obviously and rightfully concerned, but I tried to encourage her by saying, look, she's actually asking questions, which is good. You know, like it's, it would be worse if she didn't ask the questions and she didn't tell you anything. But right. the fact that she's actually talking to you about it, she says she wants your help. You know, <laughs> she wants answers yes. and that's huge. She's a, she's seeking the truth and that's really valuable when they're not seeking the truth. That's really concerning. <laughs> So, you know, so I think that, I think that's a a great reminder to parents, like, don't be afraid of the hard questions. Like you said earlier, uh, well, you know, like I just said, it's good to, to, that they're asking the questions. And you said earlier, um, you know, look, I don't know the answer, but let's figure it out together. I'm really curious to know too. That's a really good question. And I think that makes questions not scary. And, um, and it's those conversations that are going to lead to, you know, really laying a great foundation, um, for our kids. So, um, this has been great. I'm so thankful that you decided to join us today. These are great suggestions. I hope moms, you will go and check out talking with your kids about Jesus, talking with your kids about God and keeping our kids on God's side. Uh, we will leave those links, uh, in the show notes to make it easy for you to get there. And, uh, Natasha, if you could just share your website, um, is that, is that where they find your books as well? Yes. So NatashaCrane.com and it is C-R-A-I-N. And on the website, you can find my blog, information about my podcasts. And also there's a books tab that has table of contents for all the books and you can kind of check out what they cover. All right. Well, tell us about your two podcasts. What do you talk about on those? Well, one is the Natasha Crane podcast, <laughs> very mm-hmm. cleverly named. And yes, on that, I can on that podcast, <laughs> yes, on that podcast, uh, I interview people and I also talk about just a lot of the cultural topics, things that are going on today and how to understand a biblical worldview in light of that. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a weekly podcast with Elisa Childers. And mm-hmm. so every Wednesday we have short form 15 to 20 minute episodes about seeing current events through a Christian worldview. Oh, I love that. It's called Unshaken Faith. Oh, okay, great. Well, we'll make sure that those uh, are also included in the show notes. And uh, would you mind closing in a word of prayer? Sure. Okay. 
Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had to talk about apologetics and being able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. I am so grateful that we do have such good reason for the hope that is within us. Our hope is not unfounded. It is founded on a very solid rock and I'm just so grateful for that. I pray that this episode will be an encouragement to all of the listeners to help every mom listening to know that this is not out of reach, that yes, the culture is challenging, but we can do this and you've called us to do this and you equip us to do this. So Mm -hmm. there is nothing to fear in this. And I pray that you would just encourage every mom in her ministry, in her home to teach her kids about these subjects and to just take a step forward and knowing what the most important thing is to kind of tackle next in her own family's journey. So Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for every listener and please bless these families who are listening and Dorinda as well as she hosts this wonderful podcast. In your name we pray. Amen. Moms, before you leave, I'm sharing one last resource with you. Are you looking to give your child a well-rounded education while also ensuring positive socialization opportunities and their ability to succeed in life? Consider joining a Classical Conversations community and homeschooling alongside local families led by trained licensed director. Families learn through Classical Conversations proven Christ-centered curriculum together in community with locations In all 50 states and over 50 countries, there is bound to be a community near you. To find your community today, visit classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. And I will leave a link in the show notes as well. Have a great day.